Hello, friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Before we take you to your favorite Sports History Network show, just want to tell you a little bit about some merch that you can pick up that represents your favorite SHN podcast. So far, there's t-shirts, coffee mugs, and even books from some of the authors that do podcasts right here on SHN. Who could buy something better than that than have the history right from the, the gentleman that you hear talking about it? But we also are adding things each and every day. And where's that store, may you ask? Well, it's at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Up at the top, there is the SHN. HN merch button. Click on that. It'll take you right to the store and you can be representing your favorite podcast and show the world that, hey, on the swag that I'm using, it's the headquarters of sports yesteryear, Sports History Network, and my favorite podcaster, the Sports History Network store. Shop there today. Hey, everyone. It's Scott from Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast and the Zamboni Time Machine. If you want to create your own podcast, the best option to make that happen is Anchor. If you ever heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, and who doesn't like free? There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your own phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so that it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, hockey fans, and welcome to episode number 68 of Marty's Illegal Stick, recording here on March 15th, 2022, the Ides of March. Beware of the Ides of March. Um, as you can see, if you're watching on the video stream, we're a little shorthanded. Dom and Jeremy are not here. Uh, no, it wasn't anything to do with our Ides of, Ides of March. They're okay. But uh, as always, I have my trusty sidekick in his studio, because I'm actually home, Uh Dave the Save Warner. What's going on, buddy? I'm lonely. I'm here alone again. This is two podcasts in a row today. I'm just by my house, myself here, staring at an empty chair. Maybe you should change your deodorant. <laughs> there could be that. <laughs> there could be that. You know, or you, this time you guys are the ones that are saying you're not feeling that great and you Jeez, don't want to get know, near right? me. So, you know. Well, hey, you know, we, we want to preserve you. Well, I'm well preserved for my age, let me tell you. (laughs) See, he's already figuring out I provide comic relief. Your your guest has figured this out. That's your job. Yep. (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, you know, speaking of our guest, I'm going to bring him right in because I'm really excited to get to this. Uh, This guy is the co-host of, and I'm going to tell you right now, this is the best AHL podcast out there for sure. It's called the Calder Farmstead, an AHL podcast. He is the co-host. He is an analytical wizard. Matter of fact, he does more analytical work than I even want to imagine. He is the one. He is the only Mr. Sean O'Brien. Sean, what's going on? Not too much. Not too much. Uh, March, you know, as an Irishman, is my favorite month of the year. So uh, this is this is usually when uh, us Irish people are peaking. Uh, I feel the, the same about myself. Uh I'm very much looking forward to the weekend. We are not doing our usual recap uh, preview for this weekend because, well, I am not going to try and pretend like I'm going to watch games while cooking a bunch of Irish food and putting a Guinness <laughs> into me every 30 minutes or so. Like, yeah, our analysis on Tuesday is going to be, 
teams played and that's we, we're we're gonna have a, a fun episode uh, that comes out on Friday uh, about the trade deadline of what a fun AHL trade deadline could look like. Um, where Ooh, we basically are gonna, we're gonna break down uh, you know if we were GMs of AHL teams and we could only make AHL contract hockey trades, sure. what would we try and do to you know bolster our chances? And we're gonna look at you know players we'd bring in and kind of look down in the future in the pipeline of like well. These players are probably going to be in the AHL this year from these NHL teams. So that means we should move on from some guys who maybe are useful, but won't fit next year. So that's that's going to be what we're doing over at the Calder Farmstead. But uh, usually we do preview recaps uh, where we preview the weekend and then we recap the weekend. We dive deep into four series a week. We cover the whole league kind of on a rotating basis. So we're one of the the few podcasts where we can say we've actually seen all of these teams, all of these players play across the league. Because uh, most most people don't get a, around to all of that, um, which I mean, you know, if you're a, a fan of just the Utica Comets, which good fan to be a, a good team to be a fan of this year, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's it's challenging to be like, well, what are the San Diego goals up to? Right. Like, we uh, we can help do that a little bit, especially as the Calder Cup playoffs are approaching. There are going to be you know teams uh, and matchups that people aren't familiar with, and that's where we come in. Absolutely. And, you know, the last episode you guys just did is a fantastic primer because you guys went through every, every division talking about the, the playoff races that are involved. And you're right. You know, as, as obviously we, we cover the Comets a lot. We don't see anybody from the Western Conference. They don't play anybody from the Western Conference. So, you know, knock on wood. I'm not trying to jinx anything or anything like that. But if there is a deep run to be made, that's if, then there are going to be teams that the Comets have not seen all year long. And it's actually a really good idea to have some working knowledge about that. And we will get into that in a little bit. However, I do want to talk about, of course, the Utica Cowboys. By the way, I love the background. Oh, and yeah. the jersey. That's awesome. That so, is awesome. He's in, yeah, he's in costume. Oh, <laughs> I, I mean, we, we, we have a running joke on our show about, uh, because the first, I think it was four episodes that we recorded uh, of the previous kind of iteration before we became in the Calder Farmstead. Uh, I was actually in a different location physically for all four of them. And then it's just like, you know what? Let's just make this a running joke. And that's what it's become where every episode I am from someplace that's an Easter egg to whatever we're talking about or something like that. Uh, or just like, I think if it's someplace that was popular in the news, I think there was one time where like a volcano was going off in Iceland and I had the volcano going off in the background. So Yeah, well, see, see he's got it easy because he's always in Denver, right? Oh, yeah, he's always in Denver. It's easy for him. <laughs> By the way, CC's the co-host of the Culture First. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, and you know what? You were just talking about being an Irishman. This would have been a great weekend for you to be in Utica because they just had the St. Patrick's Day parade. You know, big party going on all over the city. And even though we got a blizzard, of course, but oh, you know, yeah. uh, not really a blizzard, just a snowstorm. I mean, it's just a snowstorm. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. Come on. You know? Well, listen, we've been spoiled by a relatively good winter. Yeah, right? that's true. But that notwithstanding, let's talk about those Utica comments for a second. Um Comfortably in first place, um, and well, they're they're leading the Eastern Conference as well. I'm going to pull up their record in just a second here. So they're 34, 12, 6, and 0, uh, 74 points with a winning percentage of 0.712. Um, you know, I, you were actually on the show. I forgot to mention it. I think it was uh, late November you were on. That sounds and, about right. And uh, I, I don't think they had lost yet. At that yeah, point. I, think I think that was still like they were – 
I think about two games away from losing their first one. But yeah, right. And we talked about too. It's like, yeah, they're not going to go seventy-two no. or seventy. Yeah, not at all. I mean, who, who who's going to expect that, right? Yeah. But I mean, they haven't done much losing since then. Um, so now that you had a pretty good look at them, not just the the winning streak part of it, but you know, we've had a good four months into the season now. What are some of the strengths that you see of this team that kind of separates them from the rest? I mean, I think the biggest one is, I mean, a number one, they're well coached, uh, the, and that hasn't changed at all. That they're they have been uh, like the bump that they have gotten from Kevin Deneen has been huge, and. I mean, I knew like Kevin Deneen was one of our best uh, was in the on the ballot and one of the finalists for best coach for us last year at our award show in San Diego. And I mean, it's still bizarre to me that they just, that Anaheim was like, yeah, we see all this great work you've done, all these players you've developed. We're going to completely go in a different direction. That's <laughs> a that's a choice. But it, it was it was funny because uh, like we're, we're like, yeah, he's going to do better for the Comets than I mean, uh, the Devils previous affiliate coach. Uh, Mark Dennehy did, who I was, uh, I think, probably on the, like, leading the wagon of fire Mark Dennehy. But (laughs) Kevin Deneen comes in. This entire team has bought in. I mean, he's there, you know, pulling guys out of the pile fighting at the end of games. Like, that's a coach you go to war for. And it seems like at every instance, he's had that team as prepared as possible. And, I mean, that plus they have good scoring depth this year. Um, They're, they're, they look so much improved from last season's Binghamton devils where like that team was just a tire fire in transition. They could never get the puck out of their own zone. They look a lot like what Lehigh Valley looks like this year or Cleveland, where it's just, they get pinned in their own end for minutes at a time because their defensemen can't, you know, when they get the puck on their stick are not making good choices or they're, you know, folding under pressure like an origami crane. And this year, like Kevin Ball, Riley Walsh, uh, Ahodachuk, they all look just worlds better at handling pressure, p- picking up the pace of the game, dealing with the fact that the AHL is a lot faster than what they're used to. Like they made huge leaps in that, and that's been a, a big factor for them, especially too, because Utica is a team that succeeds primarily through scoring off the rush. They're, right. you know, get generating odd man rushes they're uh creating havoc when they're you know even man rushes two on twos three on threes that kind of thing and that all begins from the back end that's puck movers uh like riley walsh that are able to get that transition going right away and that's been what's fueled this team um also too like they have a lot to look forward to i think if they can get tice thompson back healthy he sounds like at least from the the injury reports i've read here and there like he's probably going to be back right around playoff time. He'll be in Utica. Whereas like some of the other devils guys that are technically eligible, like they could, you know, send down to Utica for no cost to them. I don't think make it like Dawson Mercer is technically eligible to be waived without, you know, any problems. He doesn't have to go through waivers, but like if you're the devils, do you send Dawson Mercer to Utica for the playoffs? Like, yeah, that's, I don't, it's a toss up. You know, that it is because, I mean, you would want to see him get some playoff experience. But on the other hand, what if something happens to him? Yeah, uh, that, that's the other thing, too. Is, and I can also see where it's like you played a full season here for us. You did fine. We don't see the need for you to, you know, have any more experience this season. This is a good moment for you to just pack it and watch. Or they could send him. Like, it, it's I, I could also see the opposite side where it's like, yeah, but you're young and we want you to get a couple more games in, you know, more experience is always better. 
I, I think it's a toss up. I wouldn't count on him if I were a Comets fan, but you know, be happily delighted should he show up. But Tyce Thompson will be another big piece. Like that's a guy that can do damage at the AHL level. Having sure. both Dawes and Schmid for what feels like the first time since November would be <laughs> I know. nice too. Maybe John Gillies, but probably yeah. like I don't I don't think because John Gillies needs waivers and right. I I would imagine a team at this time would be picking up a goaltender of just hey he's a three he's a third goaltender we can stash on our playoff roster. Sure. Why not? So I don't think John Gillies would make would appear, but as long as Dawes and Schmidt are healthy, that's uh, probably one of the better goaltending tandems you can ask for at the AHL at this level. So, I mean, anytime you can look at point at your goaltenders and be like, I believe in that guy. That's and have two of those guys. That's a huge thing, especially because Merrick Mittens has been, well, he's been Merrick Mittens and that's <laughs> like, He's not a goaltender that I think is capable of being an AHL starter, or at least not yet. Goaltending is basically right. made up. We always say it's voodoo because it's impossible to predict over both the short and long term. But I, I think Merrick Mittens has been over his head trying to be the, the, a, a goaltender in the AHL, at least at this point in his career, whereas Dawes and Schmidt have come in and looked more or less the parts. I feel like Schmidt has, at least in recent starts, let a, up a couple ones where I was like, oh, it's, right. It's not, it's not a great one, but overall, I still believe in both of them. That's a huge piece. Um, so I think up and down strengths, you can say their scoring depth is a big strength. Their defense, it, their defense's ability to move the puck in transition is a big strength. Their goaltending is a big strength. Those are three big feathers in their cap. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. And you know, I will say, you know, for the goaltending, um, and you know, I think Merrick Mittens needed to spend more time in the ECHL just to get you know his feet under him. But I will say in his defense, Akira Schmidt has appeared in 10 straight games now. He's not playing. I mean, they sent him down to Adirondack last week to get a game in. And as a goaltender, that's very difficult to – especially when you're a young goaltender like that and you and you need to get those reps in and you need to get that game time in to sit there and sit there and sit there because you can practice all you want, but it's not the same as, as actual game time, you know. And um, Nico Dawes has been a revelation for New Jersey, so – I mean, we were actually thinking here in Utica that, you know, New Jersey might actually uh, trade for another goaltender just to get Dawes back down to get him some playing time. But the way he's playing up there now, I mean, it's it's hard to believe that this is his first pro season. Yeah, and it's it's one thing, too, where you see a lot of goaltenders in their rookie years have more success than their sophomore years because shooters don't have the book on them yet. They sure. don't have a lot of film to study from them. They're basically an unknown. And that... And like you would think as an NHL player, I'm like, well, how big of an advantage could that be? Really, really big. Because you'll oh, yeah. notice a lot of rookie goaltenders who have sensational first years, uh, they come back to earth a little bit in the second year because shooters are have a bigger book on them. They know what they're they they have more film to study, more what to expect. Right. And when you're an NHL player, that's a big difference. It's like you've seen Jordan Bennington come down to earth this year, sure. despite the fact that I still think he's a pretty decent goalie. Uh, you're probably going to see that more as time goes on with Dawes and Schmidt too. And you've seen it from goalies who maybe aren't necessarily rookies, but they're not NHL regulars and they get called up and they perform well because some of it, a goaltending is just made up as it is. Um, and B that you don't have <laughs> shooters that know what they're looking for in them. So like, I remember when uh JF Berube went up for uh, Columbus from Cleveland and he, you know, blanked three good NHL teams in three straight nights and cost me a bunch of money. Thanks, Jay. <laughs> uh, because he, 
<laughs> like shooters straight up just didn't have the the knowledge of what he, what his tendencies are, where to go on him. And yeah, the fact that he hasn't been good in the AHL this year for a three game stretch didn't matter at all because goaltending is made up. But um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It, it really is. And, you know, you mentioned like Jordan Bennington. Think Matt Murray. I mean, oh, he won Matt Murray. Two Stanley too, yeah. Cups ended up in Belleville this season. Right. I mean, that's just. Uh, uh, but, you know, looking at the comments, you know, no team is perfect, of course. So the weaknesses of this team, what do you think they could be? One of them is the bottom of the defense. I think they have a handedness problem a little bit. So basically as constructed or as the roster has been kind of rolling out recently, one of Kevin Ball or Grolu or Watherspoon is playing on their offhand side five on five. And while that sounds like a tiny little nitpick thing, that actually does change some of the way things are played. Because if you're sure. uh, a right-handed player playing on the left side, that means if you're in the neutral zone and you want to make that D to D pass, that means you're either making it from your backhand across the ice or you're catching it on your backhand. And there is no player in professional hockey that feels as comfortable catching passes or making passes backhand as they do on their forehand. Same thing, you know, fielding pucks off the boards. If you're on your offside, you're fielding pucks off the boards on your backhand. If you're, you know, catching a rim around that's uh, coming into the zone or a dump in, you're doing it on your backhand. If you're in the offensive zone, the puck comes up to you, you can't just fire it right away. You're on your backhand. You have to pull it to your forehand. If you want to try and go D to D there, same thing we talked about. And not to mention, too, I like the strides that Kevin Ball's made as a defensive defenseman. He's shown a little bit of upside offensively at moments. I'm not a huge fan of uh, Jeremy Grolo. I downright have not liked Tyler, Tyler Watherspoon in the film that I've watched from him. I, I remember saying earlier, he looked like a player who was actively trying to play himself off the Olympic roster for the handful of games I watched when it was right before he went. I was like, Jesus. Like I remember hitting the pause button watching film and just going, what were you <laughs> doing there? And like, yeah, there's mistakes in moments, but like they were moments that got exploited for goals. You, and, and the fact that I think handedness comes into it, that would be something I would point to. Again, I've liked Schmidt on the season. I like Dawes on the season, but there have definitely been moments recently with Schmidt where it looks like he's had, you know, mental lapses. Uh, one of the goals, I think it was Jimmy Schultz that scored uh, for Rochester recently. The other night, Just, right beat him cleanly five hole on a shot from the outside from distance. Like, yeah, those will go in once in a while, but I feel right. like the last three or four games that starting 10 in a row is starting to get to him. And he's had a couple of those just momentary lapses where it's, he gets beat with one where you look at it and you're like, yeah, every goaltender wants every goal back every time, but that, right. one, that one you don't feel good about. Um, yeah. So while I don't think a weakness, I definitely think they need Dawes back, if nothing else, to take some of these starts from him. Because, yeah, they're give, like, they played him 10 in a row, but I think more of that is they don't trust Mittens or they don't trust any of the other goaltenders currently in Utica. So they're just running Schmid. Although, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm with you, Drew. I like him as a player. Great role player, but you don't pay him first-line money. No, no way. You know? No way. Sure, the Caps could definitely use him, especially in light of well, you know, what happened with Backstrom. The Backstrom situation is unsettled. Is the right. biggest problem. Yeah, I don't. And that'll be that'll be that'll free up nine million dollars in LTIR money. Right. Um, that would speaking of cap management, um, so <laughs> they could they could pay him. Uh, I don't think they, I can't believe they pay him that much, but yeah, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, we'll see what the market offers them. And then, like you said, if Seattle's throwing around cash, you know who else I like to Seattle is Goudreau. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, we can we can go right to him. Yeah, but I will say, as far as the caps go, this is exactly why I didn't like that contract they gave Ovechkin. I understand yeah. he's your heart and soul. I understand he's your captain and this and that. But to me, and especially, you know, almost shame on Ovi for taking that kind of money. Because if you <laughs> want your team to be good, him. no, seriously, if you want your team to be good and competitive, listen, you've made your money. You want your team to continue to be competitive. You cannot take those huge kinds, especially not at that age. I understand right. that he's, he's productive. I get it. But you also, if you're going to be the leader of the team, you got to think about the overall picture, too. But anyways, that notwithstanding, that's an argument for another time. Let's talk yeah. about Johnny Hockey. So, apparently, Calgary has been um, wanting him back. They, they're making overtures. Uh, he's listening. But I think he's going to be one of those guys, too, that's going to hit the open market and see, just basically to see what he can get, who could blame him. Oh, I'm seeing his name tied to everyone in the hockey press. (laughs) I mean, anybody who has cap space, I think everybody's going to take a run at him at least. Yeah. Or try to make it work. What do you think? Where do you think he's going to go? I don't know. You know, I I mean, I I think Calgary's going to throw a ton of cash at him. You know, they're going to make it difficult. Um, And I don't know, man, that is just. That's going to be the biggest signing in free agency, I think. Mm-hmm. He's going to get the most money or the most at least average annual value um, of any of the players. I don't know what kind of term you give him. He'll get seven um, years. Yeah, so he's making six, six, six and three-quarter million right now. He's 28 years old. 28 mm-hmm. years, eight months. He'll be 29 by the time the season starts. Yeah, term is going to be the thing that's going to limit him. I could see him getting nine, nine and a half million, ten maybe. Yeah, maybe even more, but they're not going for. I mean, I think if I if I'm that agent, what are you doing? You're the agent's driving for five, right? Right, five right. minimum, and the club's going to come in at three. And or if they're right willing here. to take that seven years, say, okay, we'll give you the seven years, but we're gonna yeah. you're gonna have to take a little less money, spread it out. Yeah, right. Yeah, that could be, but uh, I don't know that he's going to want to take a long term deal like that. I mean. I don't think he would want something. Beyond, I don't think he wants to go seven. But then, again, like you said, if you raise the cost of the contract, then he's going to say, well, we're going to go longer for mm-hmm. that kind of money. Sure. You know? So, uh, yeah, I think he's going to make I think he's going to make the most. And there's guys out there that I'm just looking right now at the uh, free agent list and how much they're making. Basically, I think he's the one that's going to get paid what he's deserved. And everybody above him is going to bilk whoever they sign from. Yeah, right? <laughs> because those are huge deals and huge name players that are at the end of contracts and are hoping to get something. Yeah. Right? Well, I'll tell you what. With Johnny Gaudreau, again, Seattle's always going to be in the mix for big names because they got a lot of cap space to work with, yeah. and they're willing to throw money around. He grew up in New Jersey. So, of course, he's linked to the Devils. He's also linked to the Philadelphia Flyers because he grew up a Flyers fan. And he yep. grew up in South Jersey, which that's the weird dynamic down there, right? So the, the Devils play in Newark, but most of South Jersey is actually Philly fans. Because <laughs> Philadelphia is actually closer, right? <laughs> yep. But the team that I think swoops in and gets Johnny Hockey is going to be the New York Islanders. Ooh, that's an interesting I play. think they're – because you, you want to know why, Drew? They need Johnny Hockey. They okay. need him. Because you gotta you got to get Matt Barzell happy, right? And right. how do you make Matt Barzell happy? 
you put a scoring winger on his wing. Yeah. That's a I team mean, that needs to keep Gibson. They're going to want to keep Gibson for his career in, in Long Island. Because they're, they're, are, they're already talking that they're trying to get rid of Josh Bailey, who makes $5, five million per year. Yeah. And Semyon Valarmov is also on the market at $5 million per year. Yeah. So they're trying to make cap space. They're trying. And the Islanders are kind of like the, the East Coast LA Kings. They need to do something about their offense. No, seriously. Yeah. Seriously. A lot yeah. of structure. A lot yeah. of structure there. But if you can't score goals, you can't win. Well, I and, think that's a residual. That's a leftover from Barry Trotz's system a little bit. I think so. They're playing defensive in that left wing lock through the neutral zone. Right, and um, and Lane Lambert's already he's he's going to open things up a little bit. They're not going to be freewheeling by any stretch of the imagination because you can't no, go from being but, a, a lockdown defensive team to a wide open offensive team in one season. It just doesn't happen. You don't have the personnel. But you know, Lane Lambert also has a relationship with Philip Forsberg from their time in Nashville. True, very true. Which would be interesting. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get overpaid or underpaid. Goudreau, I think I think he goes to the island for about $9 million a year. And another thing, too, is don't forget, a couple seasons ago, they were hot to trot to get Artemi Panarin. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that, and he took less money to go play for the Rangers, and that Rangers. really left a bitter taste in everybody's mouth. Yeah, and you know that, I mean, the Islanders want to win. But, you know, they're in the new building, the new ownership. Um, they had a really good year. Before they got into the new building, and then that was a 16 game road trip to start yeah, the season because yeah. the building wasn't done. That really yep. was a dagger for those guys. And then they got hit hard by COVID, and yeah, yeah, it was just a yeah, it was it, tough. But yeah, I mean, Goodrow would be a nice fit there. Um, if, yeah, I'm sure he'd be happy here to be back in the back in the East Coast and near where he grew up. Back I mean, in that's close back enough. In, yeah, exactly. It's not. Yeah, you know? I mean, really, those teams are so close together. I mean, that's like a, a two hour drive for his family to go see him. You know, so right, exactly. It's not yeah. like uh, Calgary and Edmonton <laughs> distance. And I will tell you that if you had to, if it came down to a choice between the Islanders and the Flyers, you take the Islanders every single time because they have much more structure. You know, they're oh God, much the more Flyers closer are, to being a contender again. The, the Flyers right now are a dumpster fire. Yeah, exactly. I mean, just organizationally, they're ha- they're really struggling. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't go to Philly. Although, like I said, if it comes down between the Islanders and the Devils, that could get interesting because the Devils can throw a boatload of money at them. Yep. And so, and I, I'm, and I'm telling you, the Devils are to me are like the Sabers. They're a team that that is on the rise. Yeah. So it's going to be very interesting to see. All right, let's talk about the uh, the dynamic duo there in Pittsburgh that's hitting free agency. Oh. Evgeny Malkin well, and Chris Letang. Obviously, I don't think the Penguins can keep both of them. Well, I, from what I've read, uh, they want to. Sure, they want to. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, of course. Honestly, I mean, I, I would dunk off Malkin. He has been so plagued with injuries and his attitude is inconsistent play. And I know Tang's had his issues, too, with with concussions and whatnot. But what do you want? I mean, what's more valuable on the market, a scoring winger or a really solid A number one defenseman, yeah. Right. I mean, if I'm Pittsburgh, if one has to go, it's got to be Malkin. And I don't know where he would go. You know what? I I could see Malkin being one of those guys that takes a big money deal from Seattle. Think about it for a second. Seattle could use a really marketable name. Yeah. You know, and – you know, obviously he's he's playing off his name right now, but still, yeah. You know, if you can turn around and say to your fan base, "Hey, we just brought in a legit superstar, yeah. aging or otherwise, whatever." I I I really don't. I, I think Evgeny Malkin has played his last game in Pittsburgh beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, what I'm curious to see is 
just how much Chris Letang is going to get, though. Yeah, well, I think because that here's that the dangerous thing. Here's the dangerous thing, though. He's 35 years old, right? Yeah. And as we've seen with everybody, Chris Letang had a fantastic year this year. Of course, yeah. he managed to stay healthy too. Yeah. However, once you hit that 35 year old mark, it's a roll of the dice because it is. once that fall off starts, it's precipitous. In most cases. Well, especially right? for defensemen. Exactly. Right exactly. forward, you can cheat and, and, and get to your spots and right, people get right. you the puck and get your numbers. But, yeah, for defensemen, you got – I mean, especially in the, the way that this league is structured today, just based upon speed, I mean, you're at 37, you're not skating the same as a 21-year-old. Oh, you're just not. absolutely not. Those kids are flying out there. I told you – and I'll go back to way earlier in the season with Colorado. I couldn't believe how I watched I watch hockey every night. I never watched Colorado. I could not believe how fast they played. Yeah, absolutely. Lightning fast hockey. Now you can still be the crafty veteran, right? right? You get in better position. You're giving up a little more in front of you to make sure that they don't get by you. And those are the tricks that you learn as a veteran defenseman. But I don't know what the, I don't know what kind of term you give this guy. I mean, probably his last contract potentially. Sure. I mean, you're not giving him five years. You know, he's not gonna play at least forty. He'll probably get three. Maybe he'll, three. He'll yeah. probably get three. It's just it's the money that's going to be the the bugaboo because, you know, we just talked about San Jose Sharks, right? Look at Brent Burns. When San Jose gave him that huge contract and that lengthy contract, I think he was 32 or 33 when he signed it. Yeah. And, yeah, it looked real good for the first couple of years, but then yeah. he hit age. And it's not that Brent Burns is a bad defenseman. He's not still a right. pretty darn good defenseman. However, he's, what, 35, 36 now. And you can see that it, the age is catching up to him. So all of a sudden, boy, they could have used that $8 million somewhere else. Yeah, well, especially the way that Brett Burns plays the game as such an offensive defenseman. He right. would rely on his speed to get back and cover. Right. And that makes a big difference. And if you don't have forwards who are you know, switching properly and you're a 37-year-old defenseman, that's a long way to go. Right. Right. It is. It, you're right. And, you know, I, I don't know. I think with Pittsburgh – Obviously, they're going to want to keep him. I think, seriously, I think, or I mean, I'm sorry, Latang gets somewhere around six and a half, seven million per season. I, I think they're they're going to cave and pay him. However, Pittsburgh to yeah. me is one of those teams that's going to have to start thinking about a rebuild. Yep. Yeah. Because, he's a, well, did you hear um, who else's name was associated with the Penguins this week? Who's that? Mark Andre Fleury coming oh, back. Oh yeah, Tristan Jari. I heard about that. I heard about that. Could you imagine? I mean, I, yeah, well, I mean, I've heard of I've heard rumors, you know, uh, back last season about the Capitals having interest in Flurry, and Flurry wasn't interested because of the rivalry and all that stuff. And I don't blame him. Like, there's some things that, like, I'm not going to, you know, right. take an extra hundred and two hundred thousand dollars. I I made my money in this league. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I just don't want to go and play there. Like, I'll go play for less in Pittsburgh, where I know all the people, and I'm a god. Yeah, <laughs> like, pretty much. I, I'll tell you who could actually afford to throw some money at Flurry, and they really should, is the Devils. The, the New Jersey Devils. Yeah, I, you still got Blackwood under contract for this season, this coming season. Obviously, Bernier is going to go on LTIR. I think he's done. Yeah. But if you bring in somebody like Flurry, who is still a solid goaltender, even if he's not going to be a workhorse goaltender, which of course, you know, but that will, in the event something should happen to Blackwood, or if he just needs some rest, you got a very capable. You know, back up in Flurry, right. and that gives Nico yeah. Dawes and Akira Schmidt more time to develop in Utica. So, yeah. 
And I may yeah, be I'm saying just... that as a Comets fan, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah. So take it with a grain of salt. But <laughs> well, I saw that with coming. Grain of salt. You know, taking take in mind that like I can't believe these teams are giving up on Flurry. Like I can't believe Vegas moved him to Chicago. Like what are they thinking? Like this guy took you to his won a Vesna Trophy the year before. Well, I think we're it's, seeing more I, and more that Vegas simply doesn't care. Yeah, and yeah, we are definitely seeing that. Yeah. But even Chicago, I'm like, this guy is a solid goaltender. Is he going to be what he once was? Will he win another Vesna? I don't think so. But I still think he's a very, very skilled goaltender. Not only very positionally sound, but can make those acrobatic flip-flying skates up, kicking across the, the crease saves. I mean, he's a, an exciting player to watch. I think that a young goaltender – paired with Flurry would be a great match. Yeah. Because even even though as a young goaltender, yes, you always have Flurry looking over your shoulder, but you also know that he's not going to play 82 games a year. Right. 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 So as a young goaltender, you're like, he doesn't want the work. No. Which is why I'm he telling you, I think there. right. I think New Jersey's a great fit for him. But... Inter- that would be an interesting match. I mean I I wouldn't mind seeing him go back to Pittsburgh too. Just just for <laughs> just the because? nostalgia. But then I can't believe Chris you're Chris saying that as a Caps fan. Latimer <laughs> says she can uh, or can feel the love for uh, Vegas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, anybody who knows me knows why that is. <laughs> mm-hmm. One last one to wrap it up. Drew, is Val Nishkinen worth big money? Ooh. Let me see. What's he making? So what was he making? I think he was making three. Yep, two and yeah, a half. He's pretty far down the list. Two and a half. He's 27 years old. Once again, just like Kadri, had a basically a career year. Mm-hmm. Of course, throughout his career, he's been plagued with inconsistency. Do you throw a big-term, big-money contract at a guy like Nishkinen? I don't think you can justify that. Uh, he played amazing in the final, in the finals, mm-hmm. he, he was outstanding. Like to the point of like, I mean, I could see him getting some MVP votes for his performance. He was everywhere on the ice. Right. It just seemed like every time the puck was finding him, um, I bet he's going to get overpaid. I don't think north of five and a half or six. So I was thinking. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I could see it being on the Fiala scale, but uh, Nishman has been so, or uh, he's been so inconsistent over his career, and you know, it's this uh, classic like, oh, the European doesn't care. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, right. I, I mean, I have these times of tuning out, and that's one of the things that I really um, love about. Um, uh, Ovechkin is that he doesn't give up. I hated it when we had Alex Semin and Semin gave up all the time. That's what I see in that's what I see in um, Evgeny Malkin too. Right, it's just a, not coming it to play every night. Checks out, yeah. Right, exactly. Checks out for long periods of time, and we've had guys who've done that, and you know, fans like them for the big plays that they make, but they're frustrated all the time. And I think that whoever ends up with him is going to be in the same boat because I think that he would go for that with term. He's young. I mean, I could see it pulling a, 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 in the neighborhood of the Fiala deal. See, um, I would go five years, no six million. Five years at six million? Yep. That's what I yeah, would do. at that age. Because here's my thing, right? It's so hard to gauge what a guy like him is really worth when he had a, a great season. He did, but it was on a great team. 
And so he's going to want to get paid, of course, but with that comes the responsibility of, number one, you're going to be expected to do more or at least maintain that level that you had in Colorado. Exactly. With perhaps lesser quality teammates. So that's always the roll of the dice. So who, what team do you think fits that role for him from his perspective? Oof. Well, again, you know, I mean, we keep talking about Seattle. I yeah. think Seattle might be one of those teams that's going to be willing to throw him some money, and they can say, hey, look, we brought, you know, say they go Are after Malkin, Malkin, right? And Nishkinen? And well, look oh, what Nishkinen oh. did in the playoffs. We got a better team this year. Everybody come watch us. Yeah. Now. Yeah. It's all about the and money. <laughs> Show me the Benjamins. Yeah. yeah. That's all it is. So well, I got an, I have one one last one I'll give to you. All right. PK. PK Subban. Yeah. You know, I've actually heard about him going back to the Devils on a much cheaper contract. That's interesting. He likes um, it in New Jersey. New Jersey likes him. If you know, and obviously PK's made his money. I think I think PK's not done making I don't think PK thinks PK is done making his money. Even if he comes back to New Jersey on a really cheap deal, yeah. You remember what uh, Shattenkirk did? Took the one year, yep. took the lesser money. Then he signs the midterm contract for a much higher salary because he had his audition year. Yep. And if the Devils and if the Devils are truly improved, he is going to showcase better as a puck moving defenseman if his team is better. Right. Right. His numbers will be up, and then people will be like, "Well, he may not make you know nine million a year anymore, but." Maybe give him five two, or six for two no, years. I would say even even less. Make it three, three or four. Yeah, because he's going to be I, a third pair defenseman at this point. But the nice thing about PK, yeah. you know, you you can listen. It's always good to have a veteran presence on your blue line. It always yeah. is. And bringing him back into the fold gives a guys gives, gives guys like uh, say a Riley Walsh and a Nikita Otak more time to develop in the AHL yeah. before they're ready to make that jump. Yeah. So if you want to give PK a one or two year deal, I got no problem with that. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think you, I think they go. For, I think New Jersey would go for one, yeah. um, at a much greater discount, right? <laughs> a third, maybe. <laughs> and then after that, he's gonna I, for one year contract. And if, and if PK were smart, he'd only sign a one year deal. Sure, approve it. Right, right, exactly. And right. then after, that's that's a confidence in yourself and yep. a plan. Sort of way Andrew Cop did. Yeah. And maybe, I mean, it's just like his numbers are so, his salary number is so gaudy right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, he made his money. So, yep. hey, you know. Yeah, no, that's a good one. Well, that was fun. That was fun. Do you think there's going to be any surprise team other than the ones we talked about that are going to jump in and make a splash? Can you see anybody doing it? Well, I'll tell you, you know who's always really interesting is Carolina. Yeah. Because their leadership in Carolina Will and it's and they're completely open about it. Will let all of their superstars test free agency. Like we're not committing to you guys. You guys go test the waters. He has, their owner has this like Jerry Jones like conflict concept or, um, like he thinks he's Jerry Jones in that because <laughs> he thinks his team is the Dallas Cowboys that people are gonna just want to come play for him because he's such a great owner. And, you know, they talk about uh, Niederreiter and, like, who the heck else was there talking about testing the, the free agent waters? But uh, Evan Bear, like, a bunch of dudes there, and they're just like, yep, go ahead, test the, test the waters. Yeah. When you guys come back, tell me what you're making, and we'll go from there. Yeah. And so, <laughs> uh, I, I think 
but that's a to- see that's one of those that could i mean it's a complete wild card it could go excellent and you bring everybody back it could go middling and you're still competitive or it could go completely off the tracks yeah good and that's <laughs> and that's exactly right strategy there exactly Lat- latimer says uh, pk stay away from montreal <laughs> <laughs> well that's my buddy groovy he's a big montreal Canadiens fan so <laughs> so what do you think scott who could I'll, make a big i'll tell big you who splash to, that you weren't looking i'll tell you who's going to make a move i and, and this is just me making a I'll throw it out there prediction i think andre Pilat ends up in detroit Huh? Oh, interesting. Think about all those young players that they got. What, what, how much good a guy like that could do? He's got the connection with Stevie Y. Stevie yeah. Y's got the cap space. I don't think he's going to give him a ludicrous contract because that's Stevie Y's magic. Yeah, and I think that Jacob Vrana would benefit tremendously mm-hmm. from having Plot on the line. Imagine him. Um, imagine him on the line with, or imagine Plot on the line with Dylan Larkin and say Bertuzzi. Yeah, huh? I mean that's, uh, yeah, that's a. Yeah, that's an interesting match. I think that uh, Tampa's going to be fighting tooth and nail to keep him. You know, it's going to be down to the dollar. Yeah, <laughs> literally. 75, 76, <laughs> 77. Chris says, watch the wings. Yeah, I'm telling you. I, I am I'm they have telling young you talent. right now. I don't, think this, I don't think this year is for them, but I think nope. that they are going to be in the mix quickly. I think so. I think this is the year that they make a move to, like I said, get a guy like Plot next year, especially if they're sniffing the playoffs. Now you go into the offseason, you say, okay, well, they're still going to have to resign Larkin, but you can at least go in and say, we're on the rise again. Let's start spending some yeah, money. Yeah, for sure. You know, so very interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, this is going to be fun to see who was right, who was wrong. We're probably all wrong, but yeah. Yeah, oh well. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we'd just call it telling you the news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right, exactly. All right, well, I think that's all we got for this week, everybody. That was That was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, yeah, and uh, sure. I guess, like I said, next year or next yeah next year next week <laughs> next year we uh, we make our debut on the Sports History Network, and that's going to be a lot of fun too. Because I'm telling you guys, when Sebastian comes on, this this is going to be a lot of fun because he's <clears throat> what we're going to do, and we're going to make more we're, we're going to make more work for Dave is what we're going to do. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's what, you know. So he's going to be putting the pictures up and all that, and Dave's going to be cursing me by about ten minutes through because I can't believe it. He sent me forty files, but he's <laughs> cursing you before you got here. Of course, he always does. <laughs> <laughs> but it's going to be great. So, uh, anyways, thank you so much for listening. Of course, you can check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. You can check us out at martysillegalstick.com and everywhere else you find your podcast. Please uh, subscribe, download, do whatever it is you want to do. So anyways, for Dave the Save Warner, for Drew Bray, I'm Scott Kimball. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week on Marty's Illegal Stick Hockey Podcast. semifinal. Uh, the winner of this series is going to play the winner of the Laval Rocket and Syracuse Crunch. And that uh, game, that game, Barry says that game is tied up right now at the five-minute mark. The really? Second, what period? Mm-hmm. Second period. Second period. Yep, Syracuse Ooh. and Laval 1-1. I'll tell you, that's interesting, too, because uh, obviously the Crunch are the Comets' huge yeah, yeah. rival, right? Yeah. But this season, Laval kind of really stepped up the rivalry, oh, with that, too. With that big fight, right? right. Yeah, yeah, started off with the Cole Caulfield thing, yeah, right? Yeah. And then they, the teams just got really scrappy yeah. with each other throughout the season. 
And so that's going to be very interesting. But first things first, the comments got to take care of business against the Americans. And I tell you what, I was telling everybody, as far as that game one goes, watch out for the first period or so, right? Because the Comets hadn't played in 10 days. And they hadn't played a meaningful game in like almost 17, 18 days because they, they locked oh, they, up the they Eastern Conference, up. right? And half the players were up in New Jersey. You know, they called up some ECHL players. They they signed a couple of PTOs right, to fill the roster. Out, yeah. So like uh, basically almost going through the motions, right? So sure enough, I mean, the place was rocking too. I mean... You know, they got the whole white outfits wearing the white shirts. I don't care. This, I don't, this shirt was hanging on the back of our seats. I don't care right. what level of hockey you were talking about. When you get into playoff building and that building is a rocking, oh, you feel it. Oh like my god! Deep. Yeah, it's nothing like being there. Well, I tell you, and especially a place like the Odd because it's so small, yeah. right? And that ceiling is so low that it just holds yeah. everything in, right? But I mean, Rochester came out firing. They knew what they had to do because the Comets obviously had some rust. I mean, they scored two goals like on their first three shots, right? Dawson yeah. was a little rust. I mean, like I said, he has, right. to, he has he to play. Played. I mean, yeah. you can listen. You can practice all you want. You can have hard practice and you can have game simulation. It does not take the place of actual game play. Yeah. And Rochester was just coming off that play-in series, so they had some momentum going as it was. Yeah. And they beat a very tough Belleville team. The Belleville Senators yeah. were no pushover, right? So... They went to the locker room and everybody's like, oh, my God, what a letdown, right? Whatever it was that Kevin Deneen said to them in the locker room worked. It must have been like, it was like Miracle or right, something right. like that. I'm, I'm sure it was like, spicy. This is your time. Screw them. Yeah. <laughs> it was spicy, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought there was a little blue coming out of the, you know. But, man, the comments came out flying in that second period. And they scored that first goal. It was so loud in that building you really could not hear the public address announcer announcing the goal. That's how loud it was. Wow. And I kind of, I said to my wife, and of course, it was more like, hey, can you hear anything? <laughs> <laughs> because nobody could hear anything. And by the, by of course, then the comments just poured it on, right? Yeah. And I, the place really, I mean, it was shaking. Yeah, doubled them up, right? Yeah. So it ended up 6-3 to because, I mean, they scored that first goal, and then, like, two minutes later, they scored again. And, like, the, the place is again. just going yeah. bananas, right? And then Rochester scored their third goal, which I'm sure Dawes wish he had back. It was just kind of, it was a good shot, no doubt, but it kind of didn't quite have the short side covered up enough. But then the comments were like, okay, that's it. That's enough of this. They tied it up before the end of the second period. And then the third period, the floodgates just opened, right? So, and of course, there's some scraps, you know, playoff hockey, here we go, right? So game two is this Saturday night. And then they go right back Sunday night to Rochester for game three. And then I think game four is Tuesday night. And let's see if they, if it goes five, it'll be Thursday night in Utica. And so interestingly enough, because I know you got something to say. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, AKA the football history dude. And I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the sports history network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. With every race, every qualifying run, and every pit stop, Tim Coffeen would feel the pressure and excitement. With his own podcast on the Sports History Network called Tim Coffeen Talks IndyCar and Racing History, Tim will share those very same racing emotions and memories with his listeners. Learn, laugh, and enjoy the world of IndyCar racing through the eyes of Tim Coffeen. How about that? 
I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.